0: When I was the vicar of St. James Church in Cedartown, Georgia, it was not unusual several times each year for the doorbell to ring just before dinner time. I would open the door, and there I would find a nicely dressed, smiling person standing on the stoop of my house. And in one hand or the other, he or she had a very well-worn King James Bible. They always wanted just a few minutes of my time so that they could witness to me about their relationship to Jesus. Very shortly into the one-sided conversation, the question, uh, this question or one like it would pop up. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, it always delighted me to be able to say in an unconditional way, yes, I do. In fact, I'm a pastor and I preach as you are, perhaps your time would be better spent talking to someone else. The conversation would come to a pleasant and fairly quick end, and they would be on their way to one of my neighbors. Now, on one side was a retired Baptist pastor, (laughs) and on the other side was a retired couple who knew when my wife didn't go to church but seemed to be churchgoers themselves, And the the husband referred to his wife affectionately as Lightning. This morning, I want to speak to you or with you about something that is very important and also very personal, and that is your relationship with Jesus. In fact, I'm actually going to be so bold as to ask you the question do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Wait, did you hear that? Do your ears deceive you? Has an Episcopal priest really asked you the question from the pulpit? (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to pound or shout. But I do ask you the question this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There I go again. It looks like some of the preaching I heard on those hot August nights at the revivals my grandmother took me to in Claxton, Georgia, Stuck. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Now, it really shouldn't be a surprise that I have asked you this. After all, both of these questions about our relationship with our Redeemer are found in the baptismal covenant, the covenant we are about to confirm again as a part of this morning's baptismal liturgy. Do you turn to jesus christ and accept him as your savior do you promise to follow and obey him as your lord yep these affirmations are right there in your book of common prayer in print on page 302 you'll see it in just a minute we repeat it at every baptism and all baptismal candidates or their parents and godparents say I will, with God's help, on behalf of the candidates who can't speak for themselves. We will, in just a minute, all of us, embrace these affirmations again as we renew our own baptismal covenant. But do we accept? Do we follow? Words are easy to say. Actions and day-to-day living is a whole different matter this morning here within these walls, with the prayers of the saints that have gone before us in this place, with our hearts and minds prepared already for worship, perhaps we can say and do these words with our lips and embrace them in our hearts. Right now, it's relatively simple. But what about what about next Sunday when there is no ice cream? When the coffee and the bacon and eggs in the newspaper call us away from our good intentions. What about tomorrow morning when your child is slow in getting up and slow in getting ready for the first day of school and you are already on edge because it's back to that old, more demanding routine. How about Tuesday? The Tuesday, Tuesday, when the opportunity to cut someone off in traffic presents itself, and you don't hesitate at all because it has just been done to you, you know, do unto others as they have just done to you. <laughs> and then comes Wednesday, when you catch yourself about to be less than truthful about what ultimately is a rather insignificant matter, but it would be easier just to be somewhat vague and tell a little white lie than truthful. I'll let you fill the rest of the week out with your own sins. In this morning's reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, we hear about God's displeasure with the Hebrew people of Judah, with his chosen people. Things have not been going so well in their covenant relationship. Yes, the people have spoken the right words in worship. Yes, they have been doing good and proper liturgy. Yes. They have been making offerings and lifting their hands up in prayers, but there's a really big problem. One that has haunted the human race since the beginning and will continue to haunt us as long as we draw breath. Words are easy to say prescribed actions are easy to repeat. The Northern kingdom has already fallen. The Babylonians are right around the corner and God is unhappy with his people. And then there's the evidence of their actions. The widows and the orphans are not being cared for or about. Trickery and deceit have become more the accepted practice in business rather than the rare exception. The weak and disenfranchised are trodden underfoot. Empty prayers are being offered. The Lord knows what lies behind false words and unjust actions insincere actions and it is that which lies within our heart and shows forth in and through our lives that is the true indicator of the health of our relationship with God all is not lost God tells his people that if they turn back their past sins which were once scarlet will be white as snow can we turn back? Can we turn towards God? So back to what I wanted to talk about this morning. Our relationship with Jesus. And I want to turn our attention for a moment to the epistle reading. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews is a first century Christian educator, a friend of mine, if you will, because he is a first century person in charge of christian formation he is writing to a formerly jewish audience who knows the story of god's saving acts from the moment of creation the gifts god has given to god's people from the very moment of creation through today right up to the moment in which they find themselves and we find them ourselves by reminding his readers of God's past faithfulness, right, relationship in the act of creation, in the promises that God fulfilled to Abraham and Sarah for a place for them to go into a new and distant land and that they would be safe and prosper, and the gift of the child Isaac when they were old and as good as dead, the author reminds people that God is faithful. God fulfills God's promises. We remember that when we hear those words repeated in the great stories of the scriptures. We remember that we, even when we fall into the way of sin and death, we remember again that God continued in love and mercy and faithfulness and became one of us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior to reconcile us to God through his life, death, and resurrection, and to teach us how to restore our relationship to God and to others and to pay the price we can't pay. So God continues to call out to us today. We come here seeking not only to be told of the great stories of the scriptures of Abraham and Sarah and their ongoing and relationship with god and their trust in god and their faith in god but also to be reminded of their faithful response to god's call we come together today to sing and to pray to offer our holy thanksgiving our holy eucharist and to seek god's help to seek god's help to fulfill our own baptismal covenant we bring before god these young children and ask God to establish with them a new relationship with each and every one of them, that they too may grow and be instructed and strengthened to grow into the full stature of Christ with God's help and our support. We know that they and we are strangers and foreigners on the earth, but we are seeking a homeland with God's help. Our struggles are no different than those of the first century they may be more complex but in the bottom line on the bottom line the final analysis they're still the same we struggle with day-to-day temptations and opportunities that draw us away from god and cause cause us to set aside at least for a time our baptismal commitments so what are we to do well look around this place The great stories of God's saving acts in history, New Testament are right here. If you go into the chapel, they're marvelous stories, marvelous pictures of Old Testament stories. And if you look hard enough, you'll even see the Georgia Bulldog, I'm told. Take your service bulletin home if you're a guest or a visitor or even if you're a long-term member and look at it again. Look at it in depth. See the ministry and the work and the opportunities for growth and education that happen here. Study our webpage. Or if you want to do something with others around the diocese, go to the diocesan webpage and see if the mission to Haiti is still taking place on a regular basis or some other opportunity to share your faith and to give of yourself. There are so many opportunities to serve, to learn, to grow, to seek and find a deeper knowledge and experience and love and relationship. With the one who loves us beyond measure. So many ways to learn how to grow in Christ we can, with God's help, come to know more fully Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Now, if this seems like a big task, go back and read the opening line to the gospel this morning. Jesus said to his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom has been given to you, to us. Forgiveness has been given to us. God is faithful. God keeps God's promises just as he kept them to Abraham and Sarah, just as he God has kept them from age to age. Let us pray. God of judgment and grace, you ask not for sacrifices, but lives of trusting faith that acknowledge your power and your mercy. Give us faith as deep and as strong as Abraham's and Sarah's that we may follow you through all of our days as did Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.